Hey everyone, this is Charlie Shrem, and you're listening to Untold Stories. This is a show where we dive deep into the lives and personal histories of some of crypto's most influential leaders and find out how the crypto movement truly came to be. Let's dive in. On the show today, I had CEO and founder of BTC Media, David Bailey. David Bailey and his company are the current custodians of Bitcoin Magazine. Why Bitcoin Magazine? Let's talk Bitcoin network of podcasts and distributed magazine. Why is it so important and why did I have him on the show? Bitcoin Magazine was founded in 2011 by Vitalik Buterin and Mihai Elise. Some of the earliest people, myself included, wrote for Bitcoin Magazine as it was seen as like a guide for our industry itself. We were writing these articles to our fellow peers to explain things like multi-sig and how just Bitcoin works in general. Um, We talked about some of the early conferences in the group. We told some funny stories and we talked about some groups that were started in Bitcoin super, super early that I'm actually not even allowed to say their names under threat of getting kicked out of these groups. I talk about it on the show and a lot more than that. Give some love to my sponsors and I'll talk to you guys in just a minute. How do you actually live your life on crypto? How do you do it? I've been doing it since I first got started with Bitcoin back in what, like 2011. But since 2016, I've been using the BitPay debit card to spend my Bitcoin on a day-to-day basis. And it's been such a great product that I've been using it for over three years. BitPay is now sponsoring Untold Stories, and they're going to be giving away free Visa debit cards to all my listeners. All you have to do is visit bitpay.com forward slash charlie it's such an easy card to use you get the card in the mail you download the bitpay app you put bitcoin on the app and when you want to send bitcoin from the app into your debit card it only takes a few seconds and you can spend your bitcoin anywhere credit cards are offered it's really so easy you almost wonder like why didn't this come out in 2011 when bitcoin first launched well it was very difficult to do in fact i actually tried to launch my own debit card but I wasn't able to because the credit card companies were very reluctant to do it. But now BitPay launched their product and a lot of other companies have launched credit cards and debit cards using Bitcoin over the years. I still will only use the BitPay card. I'm very loyal to the brands I like um, and I hope you guys are too. The fees are very low. You can use it to withdraw cash at ATMs. You can use it all around the world with very, very low fees. A lot of companies have tacked on like super high fees and I don't like that. So check it out. Bitpay.com forward slash Charlie. That's bitpay.com forward slash Charlie. You get a free card. You don't have to pay for it. Usually the card costs like 10 bucks or more. There's a commitment, but you don't have to do that here. It's a free card. There's literally no reason to not try it out. I've been using it for over three years. So check it out. You're a super loyal podcast listener and you've been listening to my show for a while. So you know that Bitpanda, which is a company based out of Austria, has been working with me for a few months now. And I'm a huge fan of Vienna and I'm a huge fan of Bitpanda. Let me tell you a little bit about them. Bitpanda is the leading European platform for investing in digital assets. Their core product is an easy to use crypto on-ramp and digital asset broker. They have over a million users, so you know they really care about their customers. What's amazing about Bitpanda is really how easy it is to set up an account and get going. They recently launched their own educational platform, and this is super cool, so check it out. Take a listen for a second, where you can learn all about Bitcoin and more. It's free, 
regularly updated, and you can earn five euro for free when you complete the quiz. So make sure you check it out, bitpanda.com. They are a big sponsor of ours, and please give them some love because they love me. Over the years, a lot of companies have tried doing crypto social networking. But the problem is that there are a lot of really good social networking apps already out there, like Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat. How do we build a social network that's perfect for crypto? Well, I want to talk about Pepo, our newest sponsor of Untold Stories. Pepo is an amazing social media app that's built for the crypto community. What's really cool about it is that you can get rewarded for uploading and putting out good content, and you can also reward with crypto people who put up content that you really, really like. It's fast and simple, and it's the first crypto-powered app to be approved by the Apple and Google app stores. You can find me on Pepo right now at Charlie Shrem, the same handle as my Twitter, and I'm going to be posting interviews, travel videos, and more. So make sure you check out Pepo. It's super cool. Pepo.com. Enjoy it. Untold Stories wouldn't be here without the amazing production company, Blockworks Group. A few months ago, I approached Blockworks Group and I said, hey guys, I want to do a show, Untold Stories. Can we make it happen? And these guys are the only event and podcast production company that I trust. Really, the show is powered by them and it wouldn't be here today without the amazing work of the Blockworks Group team. So for access to all the premier digital asset conferences and to check out their other podcasts in their network that they produce, check them out at blockworksgroup.io. That's blockworksgroup.io. I promise you will not be disappointed. Today, we have a very special guest on the show, a good friend of mine, David Bailey, who is the founder and CEO of BTC Media. BTC Media is the owner and operator of Bitcoin Magazine, Distributed Magazine, Let's Talk Bitcoin, uh, Why Bitcoin. David, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, thank you for having me, Charlie. BTC Media is seen as now, uh, in my view at least, as like the preserver of, of some of the most important and oldest content and media companies in the space. I mean, you have Why Bitcoin, you have Bitcoin Magazine, and you have Let's Talk Bitcoin. Those three are like the pioneers of, you know, media and content as, as kind of we know it. And, you know, before we got on the show, we were talking for a second and you mentioned something very important and really to the heart of why I started this show. Um, and you said that, not to mention the company name, but we were talking about how one company is specifically trying to kind of change the history. And in that person's book, He's, he had written, it's not published yet. Hopefully it'll be edited. And, you know, his fact checkers will fact check that. But he basically written that he was one of the founders of the modern day Bitcoin community as we know it, the crypto community. And that really pissed me off. And you said something really important. You said that that person had written the wave and not founded it. The question for you is at what point, at what year or like time or like, you know, point in time to you, do you think that we move from like, kind of like the, the founders who really didn't know what we were doing and eventually transitioned to like the, the, the second wave of companies and founders and entrepreneurs who kind of like didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. So, uh, I, you know, I don't know that, that the transition was kind of a progression, but you know, I joined in 2012, the community, and there was already a vibrant, um, community that existed that, you know, was quite large. So, you know, I think, uh, um, the company that we're talking about didn't even get started until 2013. 
And by that stage, you know, I, I almost didn't get into the Bitcoin game because I thought I was so late. And I went full time into Bitcoin in 2013. So the community has always been large and robust and ha have many different, uh, you know, sub communities of different ideologies. Um, but I, I, I will say that, you know, there are a few companies that were very influential in helping mainstream the technology to here. But, you know, it, someone would have done it. I mean, the, there was a market opportunity. And if it hadn't been one company, it just would have been another. Bitcoin Magazine is so important. Um, and doing the research for the show, um, I realized that there actually is very little written on Bitcoin Magazine, its founders. There's very little written about why Bitcoin Magazine. Um, there's there's a lot written on Let's Talk Bitcoin, but I want to go into like Bitcoin Magazine and, and then eventually transition into why you decided to you know purchase it and take it over and, and continue running it. For those who don't know, um, in 2012, one of the most significant things happened in, in our community. That was the launch of Bitcoin Magazine issue number one. Why was this so important? We can talk about that. One of the reasons for me it was so important was you were actually able to walk into like a Barnes & Noble and purchase in the magazine section a Bitcoin magazine. Think about like how fundamentally important this was because you'd have your friends and family constantly making fun of you about this digital magic internet money that didn't really exist. And now all of a sudden you could walk into a Barnes and Noble and buy a beautiful magazine, you know, that was very, very well done, well produced and well written. And one of the, who is the best writer in those early days of Bitcoin magazine, David, who were the, who was the best writer that you and I know everyone knows till today? Vitalik Buterin. Vitalik Buterin. And actually, do you want to hear a funny story? So in 2013, at the first Bitcoin San Jose conference, oh, and this is super fucking important. I'm so sorry I didn't mention it. You've also decided to take the reins. The first real Bitcoin conference in San Jose, Bitcoin 2013, you decided last year to actually, you know, relaunch as Bitcoin 2019. And now I'm super fucking stoked for Bitcoin 2020. Um, and I read a post you actually posted. You're like, this, this, a conference, Bitcoin 2020 in May in San Francisco is going to bring back like the ethos of what the Bitcoin community is all about. And you're like, where else can you have Tony Hawk shredding on a Bitcoin happening <laughs> pipe? You know, it's like, and it's just, so, I'm so excited now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, uh, the Bitcoin 2013 was like really probably the most influential moment in my time in Bitcoin where you know, to kind of the point you were making earlier, this, everything that was happening in Bitcoin was happening online. And so you kind of, you know, you could feel the excitement and you, and you, uh, it, you know, you could see the potential, but it just wasn't real. Yeah, totally. it wasn't real yet. Bitcoin okay. 2013, you get there and it's just like the smartest, brightest people from around the world. And you're like, okay, this is, this is happening. And I still think that that was the most like incredible thing to be a part of. And that's, kind of the inspiration for what we're trying to recreate for a new generation of, of Bitcoiners. Bringing in the new generation of Bitcoiners on like the cusp and on the same, you know, ethos or same ideology of, of fun and love and doing really cool shit is I feel like we've lost over the past few years. So bringing that back, um, but bringing them back, like, I guess you can bring them back because you were there and also your organization, um, continues to follow the same the same ethos and the same the same um messages right but uh, i digress because i want to go back to that story i was about to tell you so in bitcoin 2013 there's a super funny story so you have like me 
and Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss in one booth. You have Brian Armstrong and Coinbase at like a super small booth. And you had, you know, the, 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 you know, the fledgling Bitcoin community, like everyone had a booth and Bitcoin magazine had a booth. So here you have like, I could just imagine you had the Bitcoin magazine booth in the corner and it was manned by our favorite person, Vitalik Buterin. So here you have Vitalik who's like standing behind a booth of Bitcoin magazine as a writer of Bitcoin magazine. You know, Ethereum was not conceptualized yet. No one knew, knew who Vitalik was, except that he was a really good writer and he was pretty fucking smart. Um, here he yeah. is and his first foray and his first like view into like the physical Bitcoin space and into the physical like, like the people, like it was just weird how like I'm running a tech company, you know, and Vitalik is on the other side of the room writing for a magazine and oh, how the tables have turned, right? <laughs> oh yeah that's funny good juxtaposition yeah well you know you kind of made that event uh, uh a reality i mean were you were you on the bitcoin foundation board at that time yeah so i was the um the vice chairman of the bitcoin foundation at the time yeah and, and so bitcoin foundation was who put on the event and then you had i i think just closed your your um first venture funding and that was like i think the first venture funding for the entire industry wasn't it yeah and so I was like peak Charlie during yeah, during you, that conference. Yeah, you were peak Charlie. Yeah, I, actually, I think I've told you this before, but I actually met you for a brief second in an elevator. Um, and uh, uh, I, I think it was Courtney that was with you. Yeah, yeah, um, we were just like a month dating. Yeah, and it was like, oh wow, that's so crazy. I just I just met Charlie Shrim. Um, and yeah, dude, it was uh, 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 the Winklevoss being there, and then. Another company that I think you were involved with in or a customer of Neft Vodka. Do you remember those? Like yeah, in the, Neft in the Vodka. I remember. I still, I just drank one last night. <laughs> still got a Bitcoin logo on the side since 20, 2011. He's, he's got, he, you know, the founder of that's got to be like technically, he should be like considered into the OG world of Bitcoin because he put freaking logo on his vodka 10 years ago. Oh, yeah, Bitcoin. For sure. for sure. But um, actually... The reason I had started the Bitcoin Foundation was solely to run that conference. I remember meeting Gavin a year before in a cafe in Vienna and say, Gavin, like, I just want to run a conference. Like, I just want to do an event. Like, and that's really, and he's like, well, I want to get paid. So why don't we start like an association that could pay me and then you could run your conference. And that's literally how the Bitcoin Foundation was started. Like from that, that meeting. Wow. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. And so, and then eventually like Roger got involved and Peter Vesnes and Mark Carpellis and ended up becoming a lot, a lot different than what it was meant to become. So in Those were beautiful times though, I mean, everything was so much more innocent then. And you know, the, the, um, that event, I mean, I just truly like, I mean, I organized like a, a little meetup on over the Bitcoin talk forums and like five people showed up, uh, to that. And of those five people, um, all of them I'm still in touch with to this day. Uh, um, Seth Otterstad, uh, uh, Andreas Antonopoulos, uh, George Papa Giorgio, uh, Adam Perlow, all have gone on to do cool things in, in Bitcoin. But literally just like when you were there, the energy level from everyone was so high and everyone was just focused on the potential. And I, and I can remember coming, we, like, we went to go watch Star Trek, I think that night. Like as a, like the entire conference went to go watch Star Trek. Yeah, there was a movie thing. Yeah, and we came back to the conference or like the hotel that the conference was in. It was probably like 10, 10 o'clock or whatever. And the lobby was just 
packed full of people like broken off into like four or five person groups like brainstorming a business that they were going to launch leaving this conference like hey let's set up an exchange in china or let's go do and it was just like so much raw potential um and i was like you know i will live with regret for the rest of my life if i don't jump into this and um uh like i feel like people who are coming into bitcoin today they don't see that they come in and they they come into a really uh a difficult to understand community that's way more complex where a lot of ideas are poo-pooed on and and you know the whole toxic bitcoiner uh, uh stigma exists but then at the same time you have all of these other projects that claim to have all of this potential but they're just bullshit hype too and so it's very hard for someone who comes in to like know what's real and what's not real and know what matters and what doesn't and you know the early days of bitcoin they were like it was never about making money it was purely about the ideology and the potential of what it could become but not like hey let's all get rich well there was no really money money to be made i mean and even putting together that conference was difficult just putting the budget together and convincing companies to get booths like Convincing a Bitcoin company or crypto company to get a booth now is easy. But back then, there were no other conferences for a booth to even compare it to. And then the fear was, would anyone actually show up? Um, but you're right. The people that did show up, it was like for the love. I remember coming back at like 2 a.m. also. Um, I had went out with Cameron and Tyler. We went to like a nightclub or something. And Cameron and Tyler and I come back to the conference and at like 2 a.m. And Adam Draper... Um, is running the, the the hackathon at two o'clock in the morning and every developer is still there. And I remember like snickering to Courtney saying like, what a bunch of losers who's like staying awake at 2 a.m. just to code Bitcoin. Like, why are they not out at the club right now? You know what I mean? Like I wasn't looking down on it, but I didn't really like understand why people would like stay up all night and code on Bitcoin. It didn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I mean, I met people that that told me that they had lied to their their job about you know being sick, really, or, you know, in order to go because it wasn't. I mean, Bitcoin at this point in time was still not a kosher thing to say that you were involved in, and so it's like, okay, you have software engineers here that work at Apple and Google and all of these great technology companies sneaking out of work to come here because they love this technology and they want to work on this in their free time. And when you have that many smart people spending their free time working on something that another company has to pay them a huge salary to do for them. It's just, it's the biggest indicator that you can possibly get about, you know, the, the, the potential of where this could go. So, you know, I, and I, I, we've been missing that for, for, I feel like many years in, in our community. And it's, it's sad that it's like that, but I, you know, we, we have to get it back. I agree. We do have to get it back and, and you're bringing it back. Where did you get the where did, so so where did you get the idea to like um so you you started Why Bitcoin and you have experience in the media world and um when you started Why Bitcoin there was already Bitcoin magazine so you were entering into a space that you'd be competing um and I remember the first two issues of Why Bitcoin I really enjoyed them you were focused on a lot more like longer form content which I liked like 3 4 page articles but then you ended up, you know, swallowing up Bitcoin Magazine uh, from BitPay. BitPay had bought it. Um, and, you know, why did you do that? What were the ethos of that? Was it more of like a financial business decision or was it for you more like love and protecting and keeping, you know, Bitcoin Magazine is an institution. Um, I could see Bitcoin Magazine becoming almost like a nonprofit down the road because it is an institution that needs to be preserved, almost like an old building, you know. 
Um, do you see it that way? Yeah. So, I mean, um, we started White Bitcoin not really knowing if there was a, a business there. It was just intended to be a one-off project at first. Um, and basically, the, the premise was like, when you tell someone that you work in Bitcoin, there's a series of questions that come in sequential order, basically, um, that you are, you're asked every time. So it's like, what is Bitcoin? Uh, you know, why would I want that? Uh, how do I use it? You know, where can I spend it? Um, you know, how does it work? And it, like, I mean, literally every single person you talk to, you have the same conversations with. I mean, just hundreds and hundreds. And at a certain point, it was just like, okay, we need to just answer these questions in the most succinct form possible, put into a, a, a legitimate, credible looking package. And if someone asks you these questions, you just hand them a magazine and, and like they have access to all of the, the, the content themselves. And that was that was kind of the the premise. And we did the first one, and there was actually really strong uh, sponsor support for the magazine. And you know, once we did the first one, people were asking us, "Well, when's the second one coming out?" And so we were like, "Okay, well, I guess that this is going to be a, a thing." And you know, we were able to really grow the advertisers over time as Bitcoin Magazine, which is like I, you know, I had a, a massive amount of respect for Bitcoin Magazine. I mean, it was the original source of information on this topic. I mean, terms. I mean, it's like the first place I ever read about, you know, what multisig is. It's the first. I mean, it's it's really the the archives of what happened, the most important seminal years of the entire Bitcoin ecosystem. And um, uh, when they were kind of having financial difficulties, and the opportunity came to to buy it, I it was just like we have to do do this. And I think part of it was like they were really great at at content, but they really lacked uh, a business uh, mindset. And so that was something that, you know, we had experience with and we could bring to the table and it, it, it made a lot of sense. Um, yeah. So, but I mean, I, I 100% agree with you that it's, it is an institution. I mean, it's in, it's in the Smithsonian. It's, you know, has diehard loyal fans around the world. The, the original magazines sell online for thousands of dollars. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I, I feel also a, a huge amount of... Uh, uh, oh, they should be worth more now. Sorry to interrupt you, but I was in BitPay's offices last week uh, in Atlanta, and uh, one of their their team members who's been there since like 2013, he told me that they he used to protect. There was like a case of like a thousand first and second copies, and they lost it when they moved offices. It's gone with the wind. So now the first issues of Bitcoin Magazine are worth even more than they were before yeah all right well dope <laughs> <laughs> and i have one i had the first three thank I've you for giving them on, to me i've seen people on reddit say the only the only asset i own that's kept up with the price of bitcoin is the first issue bitcoin magazine so um uh but yeah i mean i but i i do feel a good amount of guilt because you know over the years and this just happened naturally as as blockchain stuff came to the the forefront of the discussion, and as other cryptos came to the forefront of the discussion, and as ICOs came to the forefront of the discussion, you know our our media business really expanded to cover those topics as well, and that really came at the expense of of Bitcoin Magazine doing what Bitcoin Magazine really does best, which is which is covering the industry and and really exploring ideas that haven't been explored before. And I, uh, looking back on it, you know, we decided to to refocus on Bitcoin. I guess now uh, a year and a half. I love ago. that. I love that. I, it's a regret that we didn't do it earlier because honestly, it's been it was needed. It was needed years earlier, 
but we just we were blind to to seeing it until we you know took a moment of of self reflection and and really tried to determine why why we were doing what we were doing in the first place. And it was like, okay, well, we're we're really passionate about Bitcoin. That's why we're here. And so, if we're passionate about Bitcoin, then we need to be doing a good job on being this custodian of Bitcoin Magazine. We can't be treating it as a second priority. It's got to be a number one priority. Because so, you guys are custodians of Bitcoin Magazine, and Bitcoin Magazine had previous custodians, and there may well be other custodians in the future. Um, you know, whatever, whatever, however it it progresses, and 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 you know, I'm sure that you'll convey how important. Um, that custodianship is to you know to whoever else is involved in the future, um, and so on the on the understanding that the early companies and infrastructure that was created for this industry was actually created for the industry. So like the creators of BitPay created BitPay for themselves. The creators of Bit you know Bitrex created Bitrex because there were Bitrex because there were no good APIs. I created. Bit instant because there was no fucking way to buy Bitcoin. You know what I mean? There, all the Bitcoin Magazine was created because the people in the space we didn't understand how Bitcoin actually was working under the hood. So some of the first articles, like like you just brought up, what is multisig and how does it work? What's taken for granted is a basic thing like multi-signature technology that allows you to break up your keys and is the ba- the basic tenement to how wallets work today. Almost all wallets have multi-sig built in. I mean, the that, words wallet, cold wallet. Yeah, that uh, never existed back then, and they were defined by Bitcoin Magazine is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, when you when you take a step back and you look at Bitcoin as a whole and, like, what does Bitcoin mean for the world? to to carry that responsibility of like, hey, we are archiving the official story and evolution of something that's going to profoundly change how the world works in the future in perpetuity. Like that's that's uh, uh, a huge weight. I mean, it's just it's it's awesome. It's an awesome responsibility, but it's just uh, one that I feel like, you know, we have to we have to deserve and do, a, you know, a good job of, of doing. Um, yeah. So we met, we met in a, in a Skype chat group and I have to be careful because I'm still a member of said group and I don't want to actually be kicked out of the group. And I know one of the tenements of the group is like, you know, if you talk about the group, then you'll be kicked out of the group. So, um, I may get kicked out. I don't think so, but I just will be careful to mention some of the members that publicly said that they were part of the group or whatever. But, um, you know, it's not like an, 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 an Illuminati thing, but, um, you know, there was a group, there still is, and this group um, was more of like a, a chat group, an alliance. We're both in it, and a lot of the other people that you spoke about um, were also in it. So Andreas Antonopoulos, uh, you know, Adam Perlow, you had Vitalik Buterin, Mihai was part of the group. Um, I mean, so many people. Eric Voorhees, um, Roger Veer, um, Jim Lowry, um, Andrew Lee, Eric Lombroso, Matonis. I mean, anyone who is anyone in, you didn't have to be anyone in the space. You just had to like be in the space to be a part of this group. And some of the, you know, Tony Gallipi, some of the earliest people who were in this group founded all these companies. And I mistakenly tell people that the Bitcoin Foundation was like the first industry group. And now I'm here today. So that is actually a mistake. The Bitcoin Foundation was not the first industry group. The first industry group 
was the Digital Commerce Advancement Organization, the DCAO. And the DCAO ended up morphing into what that group is today. But the DCAO was actually founded in 2011 by Matthew Enright, uh, myself, Brian Santos, and a bunch of other people as a chat group. And if you actually Google the DCAO or if you type in the Digital Commerce Advancement Organization, there are very few, there's no articles written about it. And you could probably only find like two forum posts where people had used it to trade with each other on the forums and use it as a badge of honor. So there's one post where some guy said, actually it was like Phineas Gage. He was like, hey, I'm part of the DCAO. Gage, oh my gosh, I haven't heard that name. I know, right? He's still around though. (laughs) Last time I saw him, he showed up to a, a conference in a tutu. Oh my God, I remember that. So the D, the DCAO is like all the, you know, it's, it was so entertaining. Um, and so the, actually the DCAO ended up breaking up and forming into the new organization, but it, it at its height. Um, but what had happened was, and I, if I remember correctly, um, there were a lot of conflicting opinions related to like Pirate 40, that first real big Ponzi scheme. And there are a lot of people who supported him in that group. Um, and when he was exposed as a fraud, um, he was an arrested or whatever, whatever he was exposed as a fraud. A lot of the group ended up breaking up because we, you know, it didn't want to be like people had like moral conflicting issues with, with that. But I mean, how entertaining was that Skype group over the course of like the past, you know, from like 2013 to like 2015, that group was so entertaining. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and, you know, everything was so unserious and that made people be a lot more honest and a lot more, um, you know, they, they just spoke their mind because the stakes weren't so high. Um, and, you know, that's that's something that we kind of miss now is like uh, uh, from the people who have the most to say and should be saying the most, you know, they're they're quiet. They are. I mean, they're they're quiet. It seems like the people you said this earlier that are building the most people that are doing things are usually the quietest ones. So whenever you see like trolls on crypto media or whatever that are, you know, crypto Twitter that are up there and they're just trolling and being stupid, you almost wonder like, what are these people doing? Um, It's so funny because one of my attorneys actually said, he said, it's the crypto lawyers that are tweeting are the ones that you shouldn't hire. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's something that always really frustrates me and I've gotten a lot of flack for this, that you know, I remember what people were like in the early days and what what their like motivations were. And when I see people on Twitter attacking Eric Voris, um, or I see people, you know, attacking Jihan or like these people just don't know. I mean, they don't know what they're talking about. They don't know the past. They don't know, you know, what these people's true intentions are. And when people are like, you know, uh, uh, Voorhees isn't isn't the real deal. He's just a, a shitcoin guy. It's like, are you? I mean, you don't even know what you're saying. Just sh- shut up. And so, you know, I feel like uh, uh, these people have to be um, uh, celebrated within the community and and used as inspiration to get other people to to mobilize to go build awesome products rather than you know vilified and 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 pushed away from the community. I mean, it's just, it's it's so stupid. How do you actually live your life on crypto? How do you do it? I've been doing it since I first got started with Bitcoin back in what, like 2011. 
But since 2016, I've been using the BitPay debit card to spend my Bitcoin on a day-to-day basis. And it's been such a great product that I've been using it for over three years. BitPay is now sponsoring Untold Stories, and they're going to be giving away free Visa debit cards to all my listeners. All you have to do is visit bitpay.com forward slash Charlie. It's such an easy card to use. You get the card in the mail, you download the BitPay app, you put Bitcoin on the app, and when you want to send Bitcoin from the app into your debit card, it only takes a few seconds and you can spend your Bitcoin anywhere credit cards are offered. It's really so easy. You almost wonder, like, why didn't this come out in 2011 when Bitcoin first launched? Well, it was very difficult to do. In fact, I actually tried to launch my own debit card, but I wasn't able to because the credit card companies were very reluctant to do it. But now BitPay launched their product and a lot of other companies have launched credit cards and debit cards using Bitcoin over the years. I still will only use the BitPay card. I'm very loyal to the brands I like um, and I hope you guys are too. The fees are very low. You can use it to withdraw cash at ATMs. You can use it all around the world with very, very low fees. A lot of companies have tacked on like super high fees. And I don't like that. So check it out. BitPay.com forward slash Charlie. That's BitPay.com forward slash Charlie. You get a free card. You don't have to pay for it. Usually the card costs like 10 bucks or more. There's a commitment, but you don't have to do that here. It's a free card. There's literally no reason to not try it out. I've been using it for over three years. So check it out. And thanks for listening to Untold Stories. And I want to talk about Bitpanda for a second. I mentioned at the beginning of the show that we're working with them and we have been for a few months now. They love me and I love them. So I'm asking that you give them some love and some support, especially if you're listening from Europe. Bitpanda is the leading European platform for investing in digital assets. It doesn't hurt. Actually, it helps that they're based out of Austria, which is one of my favorite countries in the world. And Vienna is one of my favorite cities in the world to visit. I try to go as frequently as I can. And, you know, meeting up with the Bitpanda team is always a pleasure. I really like Bitpanda's approach. Why? Well, basically what they're doing is to apply the same tech that we're used to from Bitcoin and apply it to other digitized assets. And and I'll explain why. And, and if you check out their website, you'll understand how that actually works because they're really pushing hard for bringing crypto to the masses and, and educate people on the topic. Unlike other companies that just want to really give love to their customers, Bitpanda is giving love and, and, and spending money on mass adoption, just bringing more people into Bitcoin. With their recently launched educational platform, it's not only free, it's called Bitpanda Academy. It's not only free, but you'll actually learn and you'll earn five euro just for taking quizzes on their site. So it's a great way to force you to learn more about Bitcoin. Check them out. Again, they give me love. So I'm asking for you, my listeners, to give them some love. Over the years, I've learned a lot from crypto winters, a lot of the bull and bear markets, and there's a lot of things that I've learned. But one of the most important things that I've learned is that community is one of our strongest assets. It allows us to continue working together and talking to each other during the good times, the bad times, and hopefully not the ugly times. Over the past few months, I've been speaking with the Pepo team. These guys have spent years working with members of the crypto community and learning what we want in social sharing apps. And I'm really excited that Pepo is now one of the sponsors for Untold Stories. 
Even in the few weeks since they launched Peppo at DevCon, not that long ago, I've seen them make so many improvements, like hashtag search based on feedback from people using the app and so many different features that combine the best parts of what we already love, that parts of Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, but it combines it in a perfect way with such a nice user experience and good security. It combines them so perfectly that it looks like, and it actually was built for the crypto community. You can download the app by going to pepo.com forward slash stories, and you can find me there at Charlie Shrem, the same as my Twitter handle. I had this conversation this weekend with with um, with Pete Rizzo, and he, you know, he likes to do these like mental exercises, and that's actually one of the reasons why I like talking to him a lot. And we had him on this show, but one of the mental exercises was he was like, "What is considered a Bitcoin OG?" And he didn't. It's not more for like it's not for like ego or anything like that. But I guess what Pete is really trying to do is become a historian and and kind of like map out and 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 you know when certain transitions started happening in the space and everything like that and it's a good mental exercise because where do you put the line so you'll have people who will say that I'm a crypto OG or bitcoin or whatever and you have a lot of people will say that I'm not you have people that'll say you are you have people that say I'm not you have people that'll say Vitalik is not a crypto OG you have people that'll say Roger is and Roger isn't it seems like the more controversial you are the more you have people saying you are and you aren't of whatever, whatever. So, you know, like the definition itself doesn't really matter, but it's more of, it's very, I feel like it's important to document and to remember the good things that people did in the space. And it's almost important to remind those people, like not just remind the people that are saying negative things, but it's almost like maybe we need to remind Vitalik of like how he got started in the space. Let's remind Roger. Let's remind these people. 100%. I mean, the uh, I, I could not agree more. I mean, a, a good example of this, um, and this is kind of the ethos of, of, you know, our campaign that we launched last year to hashtag make Bitcoin fun again and, you know, bringing back this conference. There are people that are, that are builder. Like there's a human element here of people that have been so spurred by the community that they are bitter and skeptical and, you know, they've kind of bought into the FUD, so to speak. And, and I don't want to call anyone out uh, in specifics, but I will. Um, uh, Stephen Payer from BitPay, who's just been just traumatized on Twitter. I mean, it's just uh, ridiculous people going after him. And uh, uh, for Bitcoin 2019, he was one of the specific people that I was like, Stephen has got to be involved in this event. That BitPay is a company like that has done great things for Bitcoin that needs to be brought back into the fold. And there was a cool moment where, you know, Steven was like, we have this arcade that's all lightning enabled where people can pay like a, a Satoshi to play a pinball machine or whatever. And Steven was over there checking it out and had never sent a lightning transaction before. And, you know, uh, one of the CEOs from a company that does payment processing, but for lightning payments came over and like showed Steven how it works and explained it all to him. And you could see the, like the, the, uh, gl- what's it? Glint is that, that the word? The sparkle in yeah, Steven's head or whatever. As he's like, "Whoa, this is pretty cool." And it's like, you know, people just need to be reminded about why they're here in the first place, so that all the other bullshit that comes with being in this industry they can they can put behind them. At um, um at Bitcoin twenty twenty, uh, not Bitcoin twenty twenty. At Bitcoin Miami last week, 
Um, I was just there with, you know, Mo Levine's conference and he had a session for me on stage and it was supposed to be like me and him and Marshall Long. So it's an awesome panel as you could think. But last, so at la- the last second, he asked Mate Toke, who is the COO of, of Bitcoin.com, extremely controversial to come on stage. And I was a little nervous at first. I'm like, I don't know if I want to go on stage with Mate, but I, this is why I, I'm happy I did. So him and I go way back. He was the founder of Bitcoinist. And actually, when I was in prison, uh, Mate was actually writing letters to me. He was um, sending me money. And um, this was like before the Bitcoin.com drama. This was before, you know, the, the big blocks, Bitcoin cat. This was all before. We were just really good friends. Uh, and he was a super nice guy. He wrote really nice articles. So when we went on stage, I was very careful that when I was addressing him, I did it with respect. And at the same time, I also talked about some of those earlier stories. And you could tell like the friendship and like, cause he, I guess him and I are a little, a little bit careful to talk to each other now because we're both in very, 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 very different camps. Um, And so you can, it's very easy to get into these super, super debates. And so he, and so why am I telling you the story? You brought up like lightning, for example. So of course, the first thing that you hear people say about lightning is lightning is shit. It's not going to work. It's the UI doesn't work. The UX doesn't work. And, you know, some of the biggest arguments that the big blockers have is that about how lightning is not the future because it doesn't work and it's not ever going to work. And so on stage, because Matei and I were friendly and talking, and he's one of the biggest proponents for like Bitcoin cash. You know, when I was on stage with him, I was we had a great conversation and, and I was like, Matei, like, you're right. The UX doesn't work for, for Lightning. But let me tell you how I see the future. And he's, and so when I noticed that he actually opened up his ears and he listened and we had a great discussion. And he actually, I could felt that I, I got through. And, me, you know, will that change anything? I don't know. But the point was that you have some of these people who are very brilliant and, they, and they, they're very firm in their beliefs, but they are willing to be open-minded. And you know what I said to him? I says, maybe Lightning is stupid. But this is how I see it. The way I see Lightning coming to effect is that you'll have wallets start talking to each other. And when you want to send value from a BitPay wallet to Coinbase, or you want to go from your blockchain.info non-custodial wallet to a Wasabi non-custodial wallet, what could very well happen is that when these transactions are happening and they're below a certain threshold or whatever, whatever, these wallets will use Lightning as an infrastructure, but for you, you'll never know it. So to you, It'll look like it's Bitcoin to Bitcoin, but it's using lightning, lightning infrastructure. And so that is a, is a perfect example of using Bitcoin on secondary layers. Will it work? Who knows? But it's fun to conceptualize and to see this. And you could tell that, you know, I felt like for a minute there, David, I felt like I was back in 2013 a little bit. I felt like I was back in 2012 being on that stage because we're having a fucking amazing conversation with people who on crypto Twitter are just attacking each other. And I love that. You know, there, there used to be a time in Bitcoin that if someone went and listed all of these challenges, the response isn't, oh, well, that's the reason why we shouldn't do this. The response would be, oh, well, those are all the challenges that we need to tackle. And, and what are the solutions to the challenges? And a very solution-oriented approach. And so someone says bad UX. I mean, that's the, bad, the same thing I heard in 2013. I mean, like, you know... We have to, as a, as a community, be focused on how do we make Bitcoin as great as possible and work within the realm of what's po- like what is 
is physically possible. And you know, we've determined that Bitcoin cannot change via hard forks. Like it's just not going to. So contentiously. That, contentiously, correct. And so like given that that parameter, how do we work within those rules to achieve the things we want to make happen? And like lightning was a perfect example of something that was out of the box thinking that was a solution to a problem that Bitcoin had that only kind of came to be because the problems, the 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 stress in the system built up enough where like it it forced people to innovate. Bigger blocks is the easy and lazier way out. Yes. And so like we need to channel the energy into these solutions rather than, you know, channeling the energy into to replicating the different chains and fracturing off into different communities. It's like such a waste of energy and time. Um, truly. Are you optimistic in like the ebb and flow of the community itself? Are you optimistic and do you feel that you can bring back that same fun and aura and excitement like coming to Bitcoin 2020 in May? Um, do you think you can bring that back at least a little bit of it? I I think definitely. And I, I mean, it's already... You know, the lightning torch was kind of, I think, the first thing I saw from the community. Oh, I where love that. It really was a throwback to like the goofy shit we pulled back in the day. And so I think the, the community is like, like wanting this and it'll, it'll happen, you know, uh, with or without us. We're just trying to accelerate it. But, you know, I can tell you that from Bitcoin 2019, people, old Bitcoiners who were there left saying, wow, like this... This is like the old days. This is exciting. I'm I'm so you know pumped up. People who had never been to Bitcoin 2013 came and they were like, you know, I've never been involved in any event like this before. And so it really is, you know, um, I I posted this on LinkedIn. I think this is a message you were referencing earlier. It's like Bitcoin 2020 is is not a conference. It's it's a pilgrimage. And you know, I think when people get there and they see how amazing the Bitcoin counterculture is. Uh, you know, what are the ideas that this community represents? Uh, what are the things that people are doing with the technology that you've never seen before? People get inspired. And like, that's the name of the game. Like, get people excited and inspired and then give them the momentum to go out there and create something. And 99% of the things that people create are not going to work. But it's like the 1% of things that do work, that's that's where the progress happens. I mean, that's that's how we move forward. So... I think I think we can do it, and I can tell you that, like, at our company, you know, we're having a ton of fun putting this together. Like, we're coming up with ideas that, like, literally, you could only do them at a Bitcoin conference. Like anywhere else, you'd be like called like criminally insane or something. So, yeah. um, uh, I I think people are gonna really love the event, but I mean, it's just you know, it's just one kind of stone in the in the pavement of what needs to happen to to really. But this get is the difference. This is the difference, and why I, why I'm you know there's a reason I'm talking about this conference on this show, and this is this is the major difference. There are conferences every week, twice a week in this space. This is the difference. You're doing it for Bitcoin. You're not doing it for your company. You're not doing it for a project, a token. You're putting on this event. You guys are putting your time and effort and energy. And yes, you'll make money on it. And well, maybe you won't, but I mean, your company is going to get branded and everything. But you didn't you didn't call this show BTC Media 2020. You're calling it Bitcoin 2020. Um, you're you're doing this for the for the sake and for the love of Bitcoin. And that's why everyone should come out and support it. Um, you look at and, the excitement. Uh, what were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say like, you know, I think people have also lost a little bit of track about how big 
the, the Bitcoin counterculture has become. Like, like Tony Hawk skateboarding at the conference is is really cool. But the fact that Tony Hawk considers himself a Bitcoiner shows how far we've come. Like, and and there are so many ways that Bitcoin could be uh, interfacing and interacting and injecting itself into the conversation in kind of the global discussion that's happening. And uh, it's not right now, but it, it could be and it should be. And, you know, Bitcoin should be uh, provocative and Bitcoin should be uh, not afraid of, of like saying like, hey, we're here and we're not going away and we're going to change the entire system. And I think when people see that, that they're not on an island, you know, we can, we can get a lot more of that to happen. Like when we can get a lot more um, uh, cultural icons involved in this space, we can get a lot more uh, evangelism of the underlying ideas about why do we even need Bitcoin in the first place. Um, and I feel like that's a huge well of potential that's just untapped right now. That wasn't untapped back in the day. Like back in the day when people started explaining Bitcoin, they always approached it from the, the philosophical perspective to begin with. And now it's approached from this like uh, very, um, I don't know what the right word is. Like, um, the, I mean, just the price is what matters. The market cap is what matters. The investment uh, case is what matters rather than the ideas. You mentioned... Um the ideas and you mentioned the funness, but you also mentioned another company, you know, you mentioned BitPay for a second. Um, and I want to ask you, do you see, do you see like history of Bitcoin kind of being changed or written by the newer players in the space? And, um, you know, BitPay is an example one because we saw during the big block drama, I don't call it a civil war because it's a stupid thing to call, but the big block drama, um, you know, they were one of the companies in the forefront that got really hit hard, like reputationally on like being a lover of Bitcoin um, and the founders and everything like that. You know, you mentioned Stephen Pear. Um, but what people don't realize is that, yeah, BitPay has been around for like 11 years or 10 years or whatever. You know, one of the first infrastructure companies. But Bit BitPay almost went bankrupt in 2014, sponsoring one of the biggest football games of the year. Um, and they called it not the BitPay Bowl because they got naming rights. They called it the Bitcoin Bowl. I mean, their investors probably said that was the dumbest thing. Why would you spend all this money with the branding on ESPN for hours and calling it the Bitcoin Bowl and not the BitPay Bowl? They did it because of every reason you just described. I mean, and and there's so many, I mean, the, the, the what makes Bitcoin valuable is its users. And I mean, there are 50 million Bitcoin users. Like, you know, if, if the community was, was mobilized in a direction, like we could be making Bitcoin front and center in this presidential election in, in the United States and, and like making it a relevant thing that has to be talked about because there's such a large contingency of people that care about it. You know, like we could be uh, uh, forcing Bitcoin into sports, into art, uh, into uh, uh, you know financial and monetary crises crises that are unfolding around the world, we could have Bitcoin be the 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 plan B, like the, the the counterpunch to the things that are out there. But there's just no one representing that Bitcoin narrative today, or or um, or getting the the organizing it. I well, guess. they're doing it with hostility. Um, the ones that are that are running, you know, having the Bitcoin 
you know, badge are like this pro BTC stupid movement. There's like this whole like tribalism, you know, um, I saw someone put up a, a slideshow thing the other day. He said like, these are the rules about Bitcoin. Anything that's not Bitcoin is a scam. Anyone that tries to take your Bitcoin from you is a scam, you know? And so even like spending Bitcoin is a scam. We should be holding, you know, there, that's, that, that is, is dumb. Um, and that the me- any message of hostility is dumb, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, and and I like I I you know I don't want to be like overly negative on the current Bitcoin community because I understand like you know they they see what happened as a hostile takeover attempt, and you know I supported the user activated soft fork. I supported you know I I was not a fan of of the big block approach. Um, I'm really not a, a fan of of hard forks. And so, you know, I, I understand that the toxicity is, is a self-defense mechanism to a, a degree, but, you know, you have to be uh, 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 reflective in, in understanding, like, that's what it is and not, like, be like, well, that's all we are. Like, all we're going to be is, is attack, 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 and we're not going to actually build anything or create anything. We're just going to try to tear down things that other people are trying to build. Just counterproductive. Um, there's a big misconception of when crypto toxicity started. Um, if you ask most people, 99% of them will say that crypto Twitter, Reddit, um, all the toxicity started during the big block drama. This is untrue. Um, this is not true at all, actually. Um, people have never won Bitcoin talk forms. Yeah, they were people negative um, way before big blockers, you know, or like big, big blocks started. And I know this because... The big block drama didn't start till I was really in in prison. Um, so I missed. So when I went into jail, you know, Gavin had not even spoken about like Bitcoin XT yet. Gavin was still the de facto like spiritual leader of Bitcoin. There was no, you know, before I had went in. So this was all, but there was still hostility. So someone had asked me like, when did crypto drama or hostility or like tribalism start? Um, it started because we were in a two year prolonged bear market that people were literally doubting whether Bitcoin would actually exist even two days from now. So Bitcoin hostility was seen by a disenfranchised group of people that saw the existential threat of Bitcoin and blamed the altcoiner community that existed at that time. Do you agree or disagree? Um. Uh, you know, I agree. I agree. I agree to a certain point. Um, but it was definitely exacerbated by the big block drama. It definitely like, it was like a virus. It was like a dormant virus in your body that was already existing. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think that there was also a lot of things like, um, uh, there was a bunch of attack vectors on the Bitcoin community. I mean, like, you know, the, the Bitcoin subreddit being inundated with, shill accounts talking about big blocks and then okay then Thamos implements you know very restrictive policies that some you know framed as censorship and then that drives a, a different contingent of people from the community to want to embrace you know the big blocks that really didn't have a dog in the fight earlier there was a lot of like once you start getting into a, a battle of escalation and a tit for tat like then you start giving people legitimate reasons why to be upset about things and so you know there's there's uh uh, things that were done on both sides that antagonized the situation. Um, but, you know, at, at the end of the day, like the, the energy and focus shouldn't have been on, on, Hey, we need to hard fork this, this um, chain, you know, it, it needed to be focused on like, what are the, what are the 
uh, non-consensus breaking ways that we can we can solve for for this. And I do think it, there was a lot of politics. You know, I'm glad that this kind of civil war happened now because sure, yeah, I agree with you actually. It, it kind of it did teach us a lot about what to look for in future debates and what are the different ways that the community is vulnerable and what are the politics that are played behind the scenes. And you know, I think uh, there was Bitcoin XT. There was Bitcoin Classic. What came first, Bitcoin Classic or XT? See, I don't, I don't, I can't tell you. I don't have firsthand knowledge, so I'd have to do the research and check. But I think um, Bitcoin XT may have been first, but I have to double check. Well, so I think you know Marshall Long was, had a yeah. lot, lot to do with it, and and uh, Marshall went around kind of petitioning a lot of the miners in China, and uh, you know I think Marshall did a lot of stuff that he he um, he shouldn't have done, and that kind of kicked off, um, you know, something that I feel like just became a, a freight train with too much momentum to stop. And yeah. it's just people start throwing punches and then, you know, now we're here. Yeah, I but, agree. But like, I feel like the, the battle is over. You know, like the thing I tell people from the core community is like, okay, like there was a debate, you know, the Bitcoin community, the BTC community won the debate. You know, I don't think there's any doubt that like Bitcoin cash is going to flip Bitcoin anytime soon. And, um, you know, let's now move on from the debate. Like, let's just not keep reliving the debate over and over and over and over again. It's, it's, it's one and it's like, let's, let's move on to what's next. Um, do you, do you think that we can, do you think that we have to, some of the radical extremes on all sides could eventually come back together? I mean, I think it'll, it will definitely happen because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very pessimistic on, on, Bitcoin Cash or Bitcoin SV, the long-term viability of these these protocols. And I think the people who support them, their minds are in the right place from the perspective of, you know, they want to bring a new financial system to the world. They want individual sovereignty. Like they want 99% of the same things that the Bitcoin community does. And so I don't think if I'm a Bitcoin Casher and Bitcoin Cash, you know, over time doesn't turn out to be viable, that I want to be like, you know, okay, you know, I'm, I'm out on, on crypto. I'm out on Bitcoin just because it doesn't have bigger blocks. No, they're going to say, hey, I still want to be a part of this. How can I re-engage? And so what we need to do is like build ways for them to re-engage that they don't feel uh, stigmatized or, or shamed for doing. Like we want to encourage that behavior. Like that's how we accelerate, you know, uh, uh, Bitcoin com- being made available to the world. Wow. As a, as a pessimist, that's a very optimistic and forward-looking, you know, statement. And you're almost like bringing the love back for me. Um, the other night, actually, Pete said, like, what are your goals? So Pete Rizzo was at my house and he said, like, what are your goals for 2020? And I said, 2020, for me, I want it to be the year that I fall back in love with Bitcoin. And this is one of the reasons I started the show. And this is one of the reasons I'm telling people, if you're a company, if you're a meetup organizer and you have a meetup of more than 20 people, if you're a company and you're a Bitcoin company or a crypto company with more than 20 people, send me a message, cs at charliestrem.com. I want to come out to visit your company. I want to come out and visit your meetup. I want to get back on the ground. I want to meet people again. And I want to, you know, I want to fall, not that I'm not in love, but like you, um, there's a little bit of, you know, jadedness that I don't know if that's a real word, but there's a little bit of like sadness that went into the past few years. You know, it's like seeing your baby go through like a fight. Um, and so I tell people that like, I want to come out, you know, I came out to Nashville a few weeks ago to visit you. 
I just went to Atlanta to visit BitPay. I'm heading out to, to Vienna to visit BitPanda eventually. I'm going to go to Berlin. I'm going all over the world to visit. I want to meet 10,000 Bitcoiners. That's like my goal. I want to meet 10,000 Bitcoiners this year. I don't know if it's Dude. possible, but I want to do it. So dope. And and you should ask each of those companies you sit down with, you know, what are they doing with Bitcoin? How are they giving back to the Bitcoin community? What new Bitcoin products are they building and creating? And, you know, these companies uh, uh, need to be celebrated for doing things for Bitcoin. And if they're not doing things for Bitcoin, they need to, they need to be put on the spot and asked why. You know, if I'm Binance and, you know, I my business really relies on people being able to use Bitcoin to fund their accounts and Bitcoin to be paid out and Bitcoin has the most active trading pair. Um, and I'm not giving back to Bitcoin in any way. You know, I should be asking myself why that is and, you know, what I can do to, differently about it. So, um, you know, put people on the spot. I agree. And that's not a bad idea. Can someone be a Okay, let's just say there's a company that gets a million dollars a year in revenue that earns a million dollars and they're spending a hundred thousand a year on that to you know to fund Bitcoin development. The other ninety percent is to fund and to grow their other altcoin, you know, revenue. Is that still someone that can still love Bitcoin, contribute to Bitcoin, but also earn income on other crypto related stuff? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like like you know, Bitcoin is not like a religion or a moral um, uh, uh, system where like, okay, your, your actions that you do in your free time, Bitcoin's judging you. No, it's just like, okay, you do whatever you want in your free time, but contribute back to Bitcoin in some way and then be judged on what your contributions are to Bitcoin. Like, don't be judged on, you know, if you, uh, uh, also like Ethereum and want to build DeFi stuff like that, that's not the litmus test. The litmus test is what are you doing? That's cool in Bitcoin. And so, you know, even for like the Bitcoin conference, one of the things that we've talked about doing is is dropping everyone's um, kind of title or bio for the conference and only putting on their bio the thing that they've done to contribute back to Bitcoin and just framing it solely solely around that. Um, and you know, if you're building a, a product, uh, a business that supports multiple cryptos, but you support Bitcoin, you've you've built a Bitcoin product, like you've built something that uh, derives or creates value for Bitcoiners. Um, but you know, you need to be promoting that front and center and it doesn't have to be give a hundred thousand dollars to core development. It could be run a Bitcoin meetup in your town, or it could be do a, a, some marketing campaign where Bitcoin is, is front and center in the, in the marketing campaign, or it could be, you know, create content, uh, that is, uh, 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 teaching people, um, new things about Bitcoin or things that your business is doing with, with Bitcoin that could inspire them to go do something on their own. So, you know, it just it doesn't have to just be money. There's a lot of ways to, to, to contribute to the ecosystem. I mean, just a basic thing like writing a monthly blog post about why Bitcoin is important, not everything else, like just focus on Bitcoin on one blog post a month. And I think even that is a good way to get started. Um, and I like this idea. Let's let's push for this. Let's push for like doesn't matter who you are, what company you work for or run, what you do in a space. I don't care if you work on Ripple and Dash. I don't care. I love that. I'm just joking around. Like, I love everyone and everything. But let's just say you're working on something, you know, and let's just say, I mean, you could even be a company that operates in Bitcoin Cash. I don't even care. 
Give me one article a month about like the history of Bitcoin and why it's important to you. And I'll be happy. Yeah. And I mean, at the at the conference, like we have a, a, a kind of editorial ethos of of this is a BTC event. And so, you know, everything else outside of BTC is off topic. And so like people are here to talk about BTC. And so we expect everyone at the conference that that's what their focus is on. That's what their conversation is about at the event. But like, we're not judging, you know, if, if, you know, Shapeshift was a sponsor last year, we, we loved having Eric Voorhees involved in the conference. Um, you know, they're not a, a pure Bitcoin company, but when Eric was at the event, he was only talking BTC. Um, so, you know, that's what it's all about. How can people buy tickets to the event? Uh, what are the dates and where is it? So conference is in San Francisco. Um, it's March 27th and 28th. Um, and then we have a, 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 a event, the 26th. That we're calling Whale Night. That's kind of like a um, uh, Great Gatsby themed party. Um, but uh, the conference is is going to be, you know, again, it's not even a conference. It's it's uh, an experience. You know, we have we're going to be trying to send Bitcoin to the I, ISS, the International Space Station. We're um, we have Tony Hawk that's going to be skating a half pipe. You know, we have Nick Zabo who's going to be speaking at the conference. I think the Winklevoss twins will be there doing a, a book signing. We have a, a, a VR experience that I think Magic Leap is putting on. We have an art gallery. Uh, oh, and I love Magic Leap. Gallery. It's so cool. Uh, yeah, we have a, a, a gallery that people from around the world contributed uh, stuff to. Um, you know, we have a, a Bitcoin bazaar where we're selling like loot from and hardware from Bitcoin companies around the world. Oh, I love uh, that. We're going to have over a hundred uh, exhibitors. I can't um, fucking wait at the, at the conference. I mean, we have hundreds of people coming from China, but we'll have people from every continent um, out there. Uh, we have a Satoshi Square that we're setting I'm up. I'm thinking of of doing a booth. I've never done an Untold Stories booth. I haven't done a booth since 2013. I should do like a bit instant booth or something like that, just for fun, or an untold stories booth. Um, I'll do a bit. A bit instant booth would be hilarious. That'd be I, awesome. I found last night. I found a box of bit instant T-shirts printed in 2012, and I gave one to Pete. And you should see the excitement on his face. I have like seven or eight old bit instant shirts. Um, you know what? I should sign them and give them to you, and you could auction them off or something. Dude, we'd love that. Okay, we'd love that. I'll mail them over. Let's do that for sure. All right. Perfect. Dude, we have a uh, we have a big block party that we're doing. We have live graffiti artists that are going to be there. Um, we have we just got hit up last night by uh, I don't know if you remember this company, the B the B Brothers. Yeah, the, Bees the, Brothers Honey. Yeah, they oh, want to I love those guys. Bees, honeys, uh, Bees Brothers uh, candies to all of the attendees. Um, you know, everything's going to accept Bitcoin throughout the entire conference. We have a whole arcade of video games, etc., that are all going to run uh, on Lightning Network. Um, it's going to be just really something crazy. And then to cap it off, we have a, a party to celebrate the halving Saturday night. And so, um, you know, all of the things I just shared are in some stage of development of happening. Um, there's other things that we're working on too. You know, uh, um, we'll see exactly what the final product looks like, but I'm telling you, it's going to be like nothing, no other conference you've been. So Bitcoin2020.org, uh, is that the correct address? Bitcoin 2020 conference. Bitcoin uh, 2020 conference.com. What, what does it cost per ticket? Oh, you have multiple tiers or whatever? Uh, so one general emissions ticket right now, the price is 200 bucks. And if you buy with Bitcoin, it's 150 bucks. So to uh, our listeners, take uh, check that out. Um, maybe David can set up like an untold stories coupon code or something like that. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out after the show. That could be cool, but I will be a speaker there. I'm thinking about doing some sort of booth. Uh, it's going to be a great event. 
David Bailey, CEO of BTC Media, Bitcoin Magazine, Legend, Why Bitcoin. These are, you know, let's talk Bitcoin. These are institutions that you are now custodian of. Thank you for for doing God's work in that. Thank you for doing what you do. And thank you for taking the time and coming on this show. And I can't wait to see you again, hopefully in Nashville before before California. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. And, and Charlie, you know, thank you for your commitment and everything that you've done for, for Bitcoin over the past uh, decade. So um, uh, it's been it's been awesome to know you. You know what? I, I, I could say the same thing to you. So thank you. And, and you're welcome. And uh, and I'll talk to you later. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. New episodes of Untold Stories are released every Tuesday and Thursday at 7 a.m. EST on untoldstories.com, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Untold Stories is produced by Jason Yanowitz, Michael E. Polito, Reed Hannaford, and Riley Silbert of BlockWorks Group. Our account executives are Gina DeFelice and Julie Muroff. Our content is written by Kathy Zolo, Ronnie Tishner, and Scott Offer. Special thanks to Wayne Dallaire from Jump Dog Audio Productions. And of course, I'm your host, Charlie Shrem. You can follow me on Twitter, at Charlie Shrem, to continue the conversation. Send me some messages, feedback, or anything you want to say. And remember, please give some love to my sponsors, and I'll see you next week. Remember, strength in numbers and information is power. 